0: He really, he literally said, like, there's only one you, you know? And it would be really tragic if you lived your whole life trying to be somebody else, you know? And you should really just focus on being you, because no matter what, as long as you practice, you're going to get good, you know? And hopefully that blossoms into something that's uniquely you.
1: One, two, three, four... Oh. It's time to go behind the minds of today's top creative professionals and leaders to uncover the secrets to creativity and discover the true strategy you need to thrive in the marketplace. Creative Trek is the show designed to help you make your mark. Now here's your host, Sean O'Daniels. creatives. Welcome back to the show. And before I get into my next guest, I just want to remind you to head over to iTunes, leave a review for the show. Uh, Your feedback makes a world of a difference, not just to me, but also in getting the show noticed. And if we want to keep this show going and share it with more creatives out there, then I need your help to spread the word. Lastly, if you have any questions, you are free to email me or hit me up on creativetrek.com. I love hearing from you guys. And also, if you have any questions, uh, you'd like me to feature in an episode, let me know. Um, this show is not for me. This is show is for you. So whatever you guys say and any feedback you can get from you, it makes a big difference. So without further ado, let me dive into my next guest, Eli Maffei. And uh, Eli began his art at an early age and developed a love from comics. Although losing his muse for several years in high school and throughout his time in Marine Corps, several year, years later, he got back into art and tried his hand at oil painting. Uh, soon after, a good friend noticed his love for his craft and suggested that he try digital painting for video games, something Eli didn't even know was possible. And since then... He hasn't looked back. Uh, Eli is a friend of mine. We worked together briefly at Kabam, uh, which is a major social game, uh, mobile game studio in San Francisco. And uh, we share a little insights to what it was like to work with some of the top talent in the industry. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, Some of our talking points, we really hit on our... How you can't be a derivative of another artist. You really need to do you. And that is your strongest asset. Is That's what makes you unique. Secondly, um, we aren't lone geniuses here. I mean, the myth of the artist who is a lone genius, locks himself away in the studio and creates a masterpiece, that doesn't happen. At least I don't know anyone who works that way. We all have our influences. And the power of community is one of them. And lastly... How you need to turn your intimidations into inspiration, because we all have artists that we admire, and sometimes Eli and I share some of the artists we worked with at Caban and how humbling it was. Um, but you can't let that, deter, you know, deter you from pursuing your art. You need to find inspiration in others, and so. Uh, but I'm not going to go into it long anymore. I'm really excited about this episode. Eli is a great guy. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's dive in. Let's get to know Eli Maffey.
0: So I'm basically a 2D uh, illustrator and concept artist, and I focus uh, primarily on 2D, but I love to incorporate 3D aspects into my work. I'm really just solely focusing my career in the uh, space of games right now and kind of hoping to work my way into uh, doing my own thing with some of my own ideas, because I have a bunch of stories that I've written and games I'd like to see made
1: cool. So how did you fall into games?
0: Uh, it's actually kind of an interesting story. Like, um, I guess I'll just start like, you know, excuse me, my cat, my dog is, uh, kind of joking on something here. (laughs) Okay. So I have a pug and she's probably going to make, she's nine years old now and she has some health problems. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sorry about that. I'll start again. Um, uh, anyway, so she, (sighs) Lucy, keep, keep it calm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so in the beginning, basically, you know, I was like most kids, I, I loved drawing, you know, with my crayons or whatever. And uh, my parents were supportive of that. Uh, but I remember from like an early age, my dad, one of the earliest memories I have of aspiring to be an artist was my dad used to, um, he would be home on Saturday mornings and I loved waking up on Saturday mornings because like, you know, it'd be Saturday morning cartoons And my dad's a morning riser and he would, you know, he had already gotten up and I could smell pancakes being cooked and I'd come out and he oftentimes had gone out and bought some food for my mother and and for us. And then he would also bring me some comics. And so from a very early age, I had this exposure to like really cool things like comic books. And sometimes he'd buy me Starlog or I don't know if you know about Starlog magazine or like Fangora. And uh, from a very early age, I just, you know, I just fell into this like realm of the mind that I really loved. Um, fast forward many years, you know, I drew throughout high school and junior high, but it was, um, you know, I collected comics for a long time as well, but I just always kind of knew. And I think even today it's the same, like comics is a pretty tough industry. I mean, you gotta, you really gotta hustle, you know? Um, and so I just kind of never really considered that would be a career option. Um, and, and actually in the summer before fifth grade, I got shot in the eye with a slingshot and I lost my vision in my right eye. And that really kind of screwed up a lot of um, things that I thought I could have been doing. Um, and so for a long time, I put some things on the back burner, like being an artist or, you know, for a long time, I wanted to be a, a pilot for, for some time in, like, the military. Um, but, you know, after high school, I, I still had a passion for joining the military, and I, I ended up joining the Marine Corps. And um, I, I served four years in the Marines, and then, which was awesome. And fortunate for me, I didn't have to go to combat or anything like that. Um, and then, uh, you know, the whole time I was drawing, like I, I would meet a girl and I like her and I'd draw things for her. And, uh, <laughs> it was just kind of like the skill that I had, you know. But then one day, you know, like I said, fast forward into the future. It was uh, about 10, 12 years ago. Um, I had a, a couple of roommates and one of them was an IT guy. And just, I guess, being an IT and being curious about a number of things, one time he had seen a drawing I did for a girl that I was dating, and he said, Oh man, like, you know, you really have some skills. Have you ever seen this this website? And it was the CyJune or or Sijun.com speed painting thread. And I was looking at the art there and I remember just being like mind-blown, being like, Well, how are people doing this? They're doing it with a mouse or what? And he was saying, like, no, no, check it out. So I, you know, I checked it out and realized that people were using a Wacom tablet and that you could actually make art for video games, which I, which at the time we played pretty religiously. Like we were really into GoldenEye. Um, since I had some roommates and it's a multiplayer game, like GoldenEye was the shit. Uh, and then like I think Xbox was just emerging at that time, and that's when I realized like wow, I could I could like pursue this as a career. So I just started you know I bought myself a, a crappy little tablet and started just trying it out. And uh, you know like most people who start out, I used the dodge and burn brush way too much and, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the the Saijun speed painting thread and that guy, sh- my friend Ronnie, showing me that website really just kind of reignited all those things as a kid where I realized, hey, this is actually like a possible career, you know, like I could actually do this for a living. And it's something that lines up with like my childhood dreams, you know?
1: I think so. Well, your work is amazing. And, uh, you know, for the audience that doesn't know, I I worked with Eli briefly at Kabam. And uh, so I've, I've I've seen his work evolve incredibly over the last few years i mean you're diving into all sorts of new platforms and tools and you've gotten really solid with 3d and um no your work is is amazing so thank you
0: yeah i really enjoyed working with you as well man like but we were really fortunate at Kabam having like you interviewed carla and there was so many like emerging artists there from like you to carla to brian matthias to like just everybody you know i mean nobody you know is no probably knows jason courtney but that guy is just a monster of an artist you know he's he's one of those like back burner guys who doesn't ever like really expose himself but geez he's incredible
1: yeah i mean there was a that was a really unique time i mean we had everyone with like alan williams Mm. uh you know josh veers uh you know um god the list went on and on and on
0: um yeah den yang like it just yeah den yang yeah
1: yeah so no those were yeah it was a Renaissance. Kabam had <laughs> the top art team probably in the whole industry and they didn't even know it.
0: Yeah. Guys, um, you could just keep going. It's like McLean Kendry, like Zach. I mean, everyone was there. Yep. Anyway, it was so fun. <laughs>
1: yeah. So Eli, you know, as you know, Creative Trek, the show is really about the artist journey, you know, your highs and lows that you go through your career, you know, coming up and kind of being self-taught and, you know, coming out of the Marines and deciding to be an artist is quite a leap. Did you ever have like a philosophy or kind of a a perspective or quote that that inspired you or kind of kept you focused on your goals?
0: Yeah. I mean, I've always liked, uh, I think a few people have tossed this around and it's really great for creatives, but I always loved the Henry Ford quote of, you know, if I had asked people what they wanted, I would have built a a faster horse. Um, That's really helped me in my career because we're constantly bombarded with, new talent and all these people who are just achieving like amazing things with their hands and there's just their, their base skills. And it's so easy to get lost in just like, you know, following what other people are doing or just like following a trend. And, uh, you know, I, am I'm definitely fallen prey to that numerous times, but, you know, I always remind myself, like, if I do what I think the audience wants, then I'm not actually going to make something innovational or something that like pleases me. And so that actually really drives me to just constantly remind myself, like, there's only one Eli, you know, there's only one Sean O'Daniels. And like, for better or worse, whatever you make, like, you know, we got one life to live. So just make it your pure idea, you know, without listening to what everyone else is saying, you know?
1: It's how you contrast yourself in the marketplace too, you know? <laughs> your own ideas, your own style, your own voice is how you get noticed. Of course, we always admire other artists and we're always trying to learn from other artists. And oftentimes we implement their styles into our work here or there, but you don't want to be a
0: copycat
1: because then you're just an, another derivative of someone
0: else. But so- that she said, like, you know, we were kind of discussing this earlier, like, you know, in, in a, in a sense, we were saying like, you know, no man is really an island. That's why this creative trek series is really great because we can be inspired in a different way from, from people who are sharing our journeys, you know, our similar journeys. And like you were saying earlier, like realizing that you're really not alone, that people have some of the exact same sentiments you have. And like, you know, left in a vacuum, your brain can just sort of ruminate over these to a point of, you know, paranoias or even like, you know, you know, soul crushing fears. But you hear from other creatives that, wow, they're experiencing the exact same thing or something very similar. And it's really refreshing. And in that vein, I wanted to say that, like, Van Gogh has also been, like, a really big inspiration to me, or Van Gogh, or however you say it. But, you know, his story is, like, tragically beautiful and as unique as he always remained through everything, no matter how much criticism he received, how many paintings he did not sell, he just remained himself. But even still, he was inspired by Japanese artists, you know? So it's it's really cool how our career is, like, you know, you want to follow your heart and your passion – but at the same time, you really can't avoid being inspired by other people. You know, I think that's one of the really beautiful things about being an artist.
1: Yeah, it's a fine line. I think a lot of artists find themselves being inspired by another artist's work and being completely intimidated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You know?
1: laughs> Every day is a new day. Yeah, turn that fear into inspiration. There you go.
0: Yeah, yeah I think like one of your questions is is sometimes like, um, you know, what is your, your lowest low, right? In your yeah. Career? And I always feel like it's yesterday. You know
1: what I mean? (laughs) My last work of art, that was my lowest low. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Like, yesterday is always my lowest low. And then, like, you know, my highest high is always, like, today or tomorrow. You know? Like, I feel really inspired by the unknown. Like, that really drives me. And I think that's the reason I'm attracted to being an artist is because you could just never master it, ever. Right. Right. Even the guy or, or woman who is... At the top of our game, you know, whoever that may be, I guarantee they're sitting there looking at their work being like, God, I'm a complete hack.
1: Yep. <laughs> I'm a fraud. When they're going to find out.
0: <laughs> Someone's going to see it at some point. Like I'm a complete <laughs> fake.
1: It's so funny. I think in my interview with Carla, she said the exact same thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, you know, on that note, Eli, I, I want to know, I want to dive in a little bit more here. Um, I want to maybe, can you share with our audience maybe, a time when you really struggled, you know, and then how you turned it around and turned it out to be a valuable learning experience or something pivotal.
0: Yeah, um, you know, there was a time when, um, like, I you know, I don't want to get, like, super personal and bore the audience with, like, my personal life, but you know, everybody has challenges beyond art, you know, and I went through a period of my life, actually, when I started with Kabam, where I had gotten divorced, and it was like a really, it was a really hard time for me. Um, and like I said, I don't want to dive into it, but there was like other medical things going on and, uh, it was, it was just really, really hard. And, uh, at the same time I had, um, had come off of like a, a, you know, a series of unemployments and layoffs and just, you know, I was at a point in my career where I was just like not sure if I was even cut out for this and then having the personal drama in my life that was sort of perpetuating this feeling of like, you know, I'm just not good enough. That was all combined with going to Kabam and then sitting next to artists like, I mean, I sat next to Mitch Morehouser for a while and like, yeah he- <laughs> talk about soul crushing, dude. Like that guy paints like fish breathe water, man. Like it's yeah. just, it was like, you know, he's amazing. And I, I remember I'd, it was a really tough time for me, man. And um, I, I don't think I handled myself super well, but um, the thing that got me through was just that quote that I talked about earlier, the Henry Ford quote. And I remember I was actually talking with my father, uh, cause he's been a big inspiration to me as well. And he always kind of really just nails down like reality for me. And uh, during that time I was having a lot of talks with him and he said to me, you know, like, cause I was only really struggling with my identity as, as a, as a human and having this divorce and stuff, but also as like, um, you know, as an apartment partner to my ex, but also as an artist. And my dad was just saying like, you know, he really, he literally said, like, there's only one you, you know, and it would be really tragic if you lived your whole life trying to be somebody else, you know, and you should really just focus on being you because no matter what, as long as you practice, you're going to get good, you know, yeah. and hopefully that blossoms into something that's uniquely you um, and that really that really helped me, you know, and it helped me kind of push me through and then like for a while I sat next to Carla Ortiz and she was like, instrumental her and charlene fleming were instrumental and like really helping me resolve a lot of issues as as an artist you know Mm -hmm. uh pete morbacher also was there and he was also (laughs) that's right yeah i had a really good a lot of good talks with him you know
1: yeah yeah no that's that's really sage advice from your dad it's simple but it's it's hits straight to the core and truth
0: you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the larger story is like that's why Creative Trek, that what you're doing is so awesome, you know, in these interviews like this because, like I said, it wasn't just my father. It was sitting next to so many great artists like, you know, Alan Williams and Mitch and all these guys who, you know, yeah, as you know, you you know, if, if, you, if you're young and you're listening to this podcast and, you know, you maybe haven't worked in a lot of industry yet or you're just only doing freelance, like try to go out and meet other artists because like working at Kabam was, I don't think I've ever worked anywhere with that many artists, you know. Um, it was great to just like have that community around you to say like, you know, dude, it's going to be completely cool. It's like putting on those little water wings and it helps you stay afloat when you're having trouble, you know?
1: Yeah. Surrounding yourself with talent really matters. You know, there's that saying you're the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. Right.
0: Oh, wow. I haven't heard that. Yeah.
1: And so when, when you do surround yourself with people like that, it ends up being a reflection of who you're going to be in the future, right? Where you're going. And, yeah, I completely agree. Being involved in art communities or having a, a, a small master mastermind or network of artists that you can get together with and, uh, just kind of like support each other, encourage each other. And also, you know, bust each other's chops from time to time, yeah, uh, <laughs> is really important. So, um,
0: well, you know, to add to that, by the way, I didn't go to art school or anything. Like, I, I studied history at UC Davis, and then I, I decided to take an art degree at the same time just because I wanted, like, a double major. But, I mean, at Davis, it was just, like, these old ex-hippies being, like, paint your feelings, who cares, you know, they're, like, Fresnel effect, what is that, you know what I mean? Like, I really couldn't get the solid basics that I was looking for from that, but I just did it just to have an, a degree in art. But, um, you know, at the at the time, like, things that were instrumental to me were like Noman and like the community that, that was starting to build up around, you know, being an artist. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Yeah. It's it, – we didn't have those when we were growing up. I mean, it's – people today, young artists coming up, they have so many cool opportunities and classes and courses and just video tutorials at their disposal. It's amazing.
0: It's yeah, absolutely amazing. I, I think the community is essential and not just a support role, but also, as you said, like, you know, joining Kabam was actually the first job in games that I had had where I I had been surrounded by so many artists and having such huge critique sessions. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude, since I didn't go to art school, I wasn't used to it. And like, that's what I mean. Like, that was my lowest low, because like going in a room with all these people who are amazing and having them honestly critique your work. It's easy for a guy like me at that that sort of low emotional state in my life to take a lot of it personally, you know. And mm. lucky for me, like over time, like I realized, man, critiques are so valuable to your process and so valuable to your work. You know what I mean? Because they basically just allow you to accelerate to a masterpiece, you know. Because yeah. without it, it might take you months to, to like reopen an image and go, oh, crap. Like I didn't even see that glaring mistake in my face, you know. Right. Uh, I think it's called like a cognitive blindness. Mm. That's something I recently read about. That's been another huge inspiration to me is reading. uh, You can read about it on Wikipedia. There's some other various names for it, but I think it's called like cognitive blindness. And it's just essentially like, maybe you've seen that video on YouTube where they have some people. um, I think they're bouncing basketballs and like half of them have red shirts and half of them have whatever. Oh yeah. They go along and they drop things in a bucket or whatever. And you're supposed to count, like, how many drops something in a bucket with the red shirts. But in the middle of it, you know, when it's all done, most people get the answer right. Oh, like, 12 people did it. Uh, But then they say, now watch the video again, but don't focus on the red shirts. And then um, basically, like, a dude comes out, like, in a pilot suit and waves. And they're like, I didn't even see that. Yeah. And so it's like an example of cognitive blindness where it's like in our daily work. The reason we flip our canvases and stuff or look at things in a mirror, you know, is because we're trying to flip our brain from, like, you know, to be able to see stuff. And I feel like that's the value of critique, you know, like having art peers be able to look at your work and say, from an objective standpoint, like, dude, that is the wonkiest hand I have ever seen, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really true. I mean, it's, but it's also, it's an art as well, critiquing, you know? yeah, yeah, Constructive criticism, um, which is one of the things I learned too. I mean, I'm self-taught and I've had nothing but Hard, blunt criticism throughout my entire life, you know, going back as far as I was when I was young and my dad, right um so for me, I had really thick skin, but learning how to give really constructive criticism to other artists in terms of like couching you know um it's it's a something people use every day that I had never really had thought of or been taught, and it's basically introducing a a comment that's positive then giving your crit and then closing it with something positive. Right. It goes a long ways in people being receptive or even listening to, uh, you know, the changes or advice you're giving. And, uh, you know, so yeah, it's very valuable to have those kind of critiques. And, um, you're right. I mean, being in an environment with that much talent on a daily basis and having, would we have those art reviews like every, every week or every few days a week? Um, was a very unique experience. It was. (laughs) I still cry when I look at some, like, Mitch's (laughs) artwork, you know?
0: (laughs) God only knows, I mean, what he's doing now. Like, he's been so quiet. Like, I'm so scared when he has an art dump. (laughs) Pair myself with a lot of meditation. (laughs) No, but I mean, honestly, like, I, I think, like, one quote that I've invented for myself that I would say applies to all this is, you know, mistakes are sexy. And this whole idea of critiques are valuable and everything, but you also have to learn as an artist to accept when someone has a critique and you say, you know what, I'm going to leave it because sometimes wonkiness and se- and mistakes are actually really sexy. You know, um, I love that we're interpreting life or nature or our dreams or whatever, which, you know, which are really just a metaphor for, for life, you know, and I like to see things to not be perfect all the time. You know, like. I've been into comics again a lot lately and looking at Mignola and, you know, one would argue that a lot of times a lot of his stuff is really kind of wonky and, but it's, it's drawn to like some symbolic perfection, you know, or Paul Pope is another great comic book artist, but he's completely wonky, you know, but in some way, like I find that has a really beautiful character, you know, but if somebody were always, always sitting down and telling Paul Pope, like, Oh, that hand is a little wonky. And if he listened to all that and corrected everything, you know, it might actually kind of destroy his signature look. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think critiques are valuable, but you just got to kind of take a little bit with a grain of salt. Experience will teach you when to take it or leave it, you know?
1: Yeah. No, very well said, you know. So Eli, you know, um, you shared some wonderful advice that your father gave. And uh, but is there anything? Is there any one moment out there? Another moment maybe that was like the best advice you ever received?
0: Yeah. Um. I remember... Craig Mullins actually said, uh, when I was part of the side forums, he said, you know, that drawing is, is everything. Like when you're painting, you're drawing, when you're doing anything creative wise, you're drawing, you know, I never really understood that. And, um, but it's bounced around in my head for a long time until finally it clicked, you know? Uh, and so I think the greatest piece of advice I was ever given was, you know, especially on some of my work is like, you're, you're, you're painting, you're not drawing, you know, like. You're looking at it like a painting. You're not looking at it like a drawing. Um, and that, like I said, it was mind-blowing at the time because I was like, what does that even mean? Like, of, of course it's a painting. Like, But I think what Craig was saying was that, you know, all of your strokes, whether it be with a brush or a Wacom or a pencil or a pen, like it's all drawing. You know, you have to yeah. be mindful of the draftsmanship and, you know, the sort of technical aspect of drawing with, with your work.
1: Yeah. It's just different size brushes, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, because, dude, if you can draw it, I guarantee you can paint it, sculpt it, anything, you know? Yep. Uh, I work with Mike Matesi right now, who is the author of all the Force books. Um, he's pretty awesome. He worked on, like, Lion King, all over the place. He's a really great boss. But, uh, you know, we talk a lot about, about <laughs> the philosophy of art and, like, drawing and Force and all that. And, like, you know, without drawing, it's, you really just – that's your chance to discover and explore and really research, like, how things work. Um, and I just think it just carries through your whole career and like, you know, recently someone asked me, you know, my daughter, she's graduating high school. She's an artist. She wants like, you know, m- more advice and like, you know, what is the, you know, can you talk about technique or can you, do you know any good tutorials? And I was just like, really just draw as much as you, as, as sanely possible, you know, like yeah. that should be the centerpiece of all your work.
1: Yeah. So I agree. I think draw more, draw everything
0: it's amazing how many people can naturally draw when they're not thinking about it. You know, like I can't oh, yeah. tell you how many people have been like, you know, describing an, like a designer say in video games is somebody like they have an idea and they're like trying to explain it to you as a concept. artist. And sometimes I'll just be like, Hey, just draw it, you know? Mm-hmm. And if, if you can catch them in a moment where they don't like have any fears rise and they're like, okay, well I can't really draw, but let's see here. They'll draw shit. Sometimes And you're like, dude, that is amazing. Like I, I just don't, I, I don't really, I don't think people realize like how, intuitive it is for most of us but you, it, the the hard part is just accessing that region of your brain you know
1: yeah just letting letting it come out you know
0: yeah just opening your mind and that's probably why the ted i haven't watched these but you were saying that it's instrumental in like learning or listening sometimes i think because it just it just channels some sort of like open flow in your brain you know where you can you know let ideas come and go freely you know
1: right without over analyzing them overthinking yeah. them you just you just turn into a sponge right yeah <laughs> That's what happens when I doodle. It's not like I'm tuning out. I'm just processing what I'm hearing in a more efficient way. You yeah, know? yeah. So yeah. Well, my teachers wouldn't like it, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, um, I want to ask you if you could share with the audience, uh, one book and it, it doesn't have to be an art book. It can be any book that, you know, you would leave to like your loved ones before you passed. One book. What would it be?
0: The Way of Chuanzi, uh, the translation by Thomas Merton is really good. It's a um, it's a book of parables, basically, about um, a man named Chuanzi who lived in uh, the Axial Age, which is like 500 BC in China. And um, some don't know if he actually existed or if he was just like a secondary writing of Laozi, who is the the founder of like Taoism. But that book has been, like, just amazing for my whole life, you know?
1: So elaborate.
0: Um, well, it's, it, you know, I would want the reader to read it because they're, they're just basically parables, which are, like, short little stories, little anecdotes. Um, sometimes they're poetic, more poetic than others. Uh, sometimes they're just straight to the point. But... Um, you know, I think one of the things that like Chwanza said was the wise man will hide. And what he meant by that was, you know, the pursuit of fame or politics or all these things are really flawed inherently because you just are climbing from a higher rung to attract attention and fall from a greater height. Um, but he always preached, you know, believing in your passions and pursuing them, you know, like he, he has a parable. I'm probably, I'm not going to get it verbatim, but basically... He said, you know, when an archer shoots at a target, he has all his skill. But as soon as somebody comes along and says, challenges him to a contest with, you know, for a prize, like a a sack of gold or something, then suddenly his hand becomes shaky and he misses the target. Um, And I think the, you know, the underlying message there is like when you do things for the love of doing them, you do really, really well. But when you do things for the love of attention or for fame, you become unsure and shaky and it's, it's all for naught, you know? So yeah, I really like Chwanza. Well,
1: that can open up a whole new conversation there. So, um, Eli, you know, we got to wrap up here really quick. I'm going to get on to my last question here with you and, uh, I'm sure you know what it is. I want to know what your definition of art is and if you think you create it and if you do, why?
0: Well, a, I do think I create it because I, I think that art, I think one of your other, maybe Kieran said this, um, Kieran Yanner, but I mean, I feel like I've listened to a lot of your podcasts, but I feel like art is just, it's just kind of anything that we create, you know, um, with our hands, uh, it's everywhere. I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't realize that it permeates every single thing from like covers to ads to, you know, in my house right now, I have this cool thing from India that I bought this like little Uh, silk screened or I guess they use these dyes and they tie off sections, kind of like a tie dye of a, you know, of like a weird sheet, but it has like the Buddha on it and stuff. And I mean, just art is everywhere. And, you know, having been to India and see just how, or when I was in Thailand, like seeing how naturally some of these people who are getting paid nothing, just make beautiful pieces of work, whether it's handcrafted things or paintings or whatever. I mean, it's just everywhere. It's just anything that we, you know, sim you know, create in symbology, you know, I guess that's the thing is like art to me is, is a symbol for reality, you know? And so I guess by that definition, maybe I'm not making (laughs) art. (laughs) I hope I didn't bore everybody with my weirdness, but thank you so much. Yeah, man. man.
1: Um, Tell our audience where they can find you.
0: Yeah. um, I, you know, back in the, I guess, early two thousands when it was fashionable to have a, a pseudonym, I went by Screaming Zen. So you can find me at screamingzen dot com or I've recently switched it to Elimafee dot com. And uh you could also email me at screamingzin at gmail dot com. So there you go. Well
1: Eli man, thank you so much, man, for taking the time to be on the show. And uh sharing your story, your journey, and your incredibly deep insights.
0: For sure. And we're close. So let's get that coffee, man.
1: Yeah, let's go grab that coffee. So uh, yeah, man, thanks. And uh, I want to wish you the best on your creative trek. Thanks, John. Hey, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I want to thank Eli for being such a wonderful guest. You know, Eli shared a lot of personal stories I had never I wasn't aware of, and uh, I want to thank him once again for being so honest and authentic today. Lastly, you know, I hope you guys take away the message from this episode uh, to do you, you know, be unique, you know, do things in your own voice, you know, definitely pull inspiration from other artists that we you look up to and admire, but don't let that hold you back. Find inspiration in things that intimidate you and uh follow your fears you know i think that's what's going to make you prolific that's what's going to make you stand out from the crowd and uh keep at it you guys so uh until next week get out there go make your mark